All right, guys, welcome back. We are now in our second week of our podcast. So much has happened in the last week. Podcast <laughs> two. Podcast two. <laughs> Living in the tension. It's an extension of that conversation that we started last week. And, you know, how can we be in relationship amidst the mass, the pandemic, the vaccine, racism, and the election, and many more? How can we have conversations with those people who don't agree with us? How can we live in that tension of these conversations? Today we have Jordy Vickery. Hello. We have we have Chris Meekins. Oh yeah, smooth. <laughs> I feel like you should have a cigar in your. I have. Well, I. I never mind. And Jay, <laughs> and Jason Carter. How's it going, everyone? The infamous Jameis. 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 That's Jameson. your name, Jameis. Or it's the name of a drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right uh but we're having so we, we and talk, who are you i'm scott lessing oh yeah like the boston red sox fan who lives in cleveland but we last time we talked we started talking about you know first we gave a disclaimer about what you're gonna hear today and about politics and all this other stuff like hang on but we're gonna be looking at 10 ways that we can be more like jesus while living in the tension of challenging conversations and we talked about the story of the woman caught in adultery these these guys brought this woman to Jesus and and how he spoke to her. If you want to know more about that, listen to the previous podcast. But today we're going to talk about first what happened when we prepared for this podcast. We always spend about an hour and a half, maybe two hours Thursday before we record on Monday. Usually it's fun. It's entertaining. We laugh a lot. Um, this month, it wasn't quite that way. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, what what happened? I was there. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I think that's what you just said. <laughs> so, we got in the midst. I don't need to say any more today. <laughs> what happened was we actually started talking about some of these topics. Right. Right? Um, I don't remember which one it was, whether it was, it was the mask or the vaccine, but one of those got us a little anxious. Um, a little fired up, might you might say. Well, well, let's just. Uh, so you guys were all. We were all on on the Zoom. Is that what it, that was? Yeah, on the, yeah. Zoom. I, I was Zoom. on Zoomer. Zoomer. So I was. I was. I was. Uh, I zoomed in from a coffee shop in Sarasota, Florida, with the sun going on and a and a, a pretty bright shirt on, with people walking back and forth without masks, and so the the whole mask thing came up. And you know, down in Florida, when you're outside, there's there's no. It it actually has tightened up a little bit in the last week or so since you know the the president is like really been a push on it. But for the most part, we go to church and there's thousands of people and nobody's got a mask on, and so. It's it's just part of the life. And so we're just laughing and joking about the mask and the vaccine. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Is this the way this podcast is going to go? Because I'm feeling like I got to defend myself and I'm in my normal. <laughs> and I and I went and I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm going to be busy next Monday for this yeah. recording. And that was absolutely me, right? I, I've never, I've, if, if anytime I see an open wound, I'm going to. Poke it. Poke it. Yeah, that's kind of how I operate. So and you poke the open wound. I, oh, I poke the open wound. As soon as uh, uh, Chris said the numbers were down, I said, I don't know about that. And, and then, that's exactly what well, happened. They're, they're better than California and New York. How right. about that? And they're the same as here, for the yeah. most part. And then I made fun because there was a person walking past with a mask. I'm probably going to reinvent the tension just uh -oh, now. Oh, here we go. The person walking past with a mask, and I told Chris that he should go attack that person because they're not following the maskless mandate. <laughs> he wanted me to be a Karen. <laughs> That's right. The unmasked Karen. Yeah. But 
And if you want to know what Karen is, listen to the previous podcast. Yeah. But I, so when in the midst of this, this is what I was feeling. Oh, no. What is going on? How can I bring Chris back? Because I, I could see you. I hung intrigued. up the phone like five times. Literally, Chris, <laughs> on you accident. got off Zoom. Yeah. You literally. And we're, we're like all of us times. were like, what? what just happened to Chris? Right? And so we carried on. And then while you were gone, what happened the, with the rest of it, Jordy? I'll say it from my perspective. That everyone, else, everyone else can tell their version. Grace and truth. Because I don't think there's like a overarching. We all, you know, right. we all see it the same way. But I think in my mind, I was like, oh, I feel like we're going to come off as a lot of our audience as though we're attacking their whole ideology. Yes. Rather mm-hmm. than that's how I felt. Rather than poking a few flaws and hey, here's maybe where we go too far. We lump some things into our belief system that we shouldn't. You know, and. I'd rather do due diligence to respect what's noble about our listeners, but yeah. also push some buttons that maybe we'd say, yeah, like as a general church, we're falling short in some of these areas. We're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of this. And so for me, I felt like I brought that up and everyone's like, dude, you're killing the fun. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, what happened? Like, I thought everyone would agree with me. <laughs> yeah. I think, and to, to, your, to your point, I think, again, I was on the podcast or at least on the prep. And for me, I'm wondering the whole time, like, I know how I approach tension, right? I just, as I, yeah. as I did with Chris, I just speak right to it. I want to address it. I want to get involved. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you feel. And I want us to kind of toss it back and forth and have, have a dialogue. Footnote, it drives my wife absolutely crazy. I, I do uh, the same thing, by the way. And, and my wife, it, it frustrates her at times and my kids. Yeah. Right. So we have to be careful. Like I've learned I have to be really careful because I engage conflict immediately. It doesn't scare me. I just engage it with questions. Right. And what ended up happening was I withdrew. You so withdrew. I just I said if this isn't if we're not going to tackle real issues, I don't want to be a part of it. Right. And Chris already withdrew. So now I've lost Chris. I've lost Jason. And it's me and Jordy. And I'm I'm sitting there trying to like how can I rescue this thing, and how can we still have a podcast yeah. and help people learn how to have a tough conversation, live in the tension of that tough conversation, and maintain the maintain it. And we've already lost it, right? I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. we're not doing this very well. We definitely can't have a podcast about this. You know, the the funny thing is that I think that we live in a world of like cancel culture. We talked about that a couple of weeks, and and I don't want to say anything. Uh, that that's going to cancel me. I mean, I know that it's important. And so we're, we talked about this too. You're putting a double bind. I want to say what I'm really saying, thinking, but if I say that, is the person across me safe? And so being in those safe relationships that we talked about last mm-hmm. week, and, and I want to say, Jason's a safe person. I just, talking over Zoom is is not an easy thing. It's just not, you yeah. know. It was I was probably also worried about am I going to cancel myself? Am I going to say something that's cuz I I have had a once I said something that probably might have offended somebody. <laughs> just I don't want to do it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're dealing with a guy who's never met a stranger, right? So like any so for me, I, I my wife would absolutely say I get too close too fast, right? Like mm. I'll start making jokes with you people do. and I'll start doing things. It's awesome. And and it's just it's just how I operate, how I navigate the world. I want to get close, I want to know what's going on, I want to And for inquire. the most part, I would say that most people feel immediately like, 
oh, Jason's my friend now. Yeah. <laughs> and right? within 30 seconds, I think you do it. But how do you do that? How do you get your mind to go that way to say, hey, I want to get to a point. I want to get to the tension. You as a, as a man, as a black man, yeah. walking around in, a, in a, a, for the most part, white church. It happens to be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, I think, how do you do it? Because you're, it's not like you're just you know, some chump. No, no, I mean I you're a big. Not. He's a big dude. Yeah, I mean you know I mean it's like he could probably punch me out. No. Oh no, he would. He could. <laughs> he could. Yeah, I don't know if he would. But well, he we could. Well, you're going to the hospital with me. Well, okay, we'll just go out. We're both going to the hospital. <laughs> All right. But but one of the things that I think we have to do in the midst of these conversations is we have to remember what the purpose is, and what the win is. Yeah. I, I I talk the about that. Is I, I'm yeah. constantly redefining the win for myself in the midst of conversations. Like it used to be years ago and even maybe months ago or depending on what the conversation was i want them to understand my perspective right and that's not necessarily true not in the world we live in today no it's not so i mean it could be to be right to be heard to listen well oh wait to listen well but also to de- desire we have a desire to to be heard as well. But wait, am I in this conversation to learn anything or do I already know it all? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. I, I, I need to be willing to listen and I hope that they're willing to listen so that we both can learn. That might be part of it. But the, the thing that we have to be able to do is come together and say, we need to honor each other. We need to honor each other while honoring God in all that we do in every conversation we have, right? And that's a, that's a very hard thing to do. Honor one another. In other words, I, I love the person sitting away, uh, across from me, and I need to honor Jesus in the midst of my conversations. How do we do that? How do you guys do that? What are some things that you guys do in the midst of those? As you're starting this conversation, or you know you're going to enter a conversation that yeah. could be conflicting or it could cause conflict, what, what do you, how do you enter these? I, I think there's a lot to be said for just the difficulty of this season and how far the chasm is between different ideologies. And honestly, like, like, you know, a lot of people are diagnosing culture and saying, we don't want to have conversations anymore. And I actually think largely that is true. Like the only people we want to talk to are people who think the same. Like you look at most political posts or memes, even a lot of news sites, nothing they say is uh, written objectively in a way that it would actually sway someone from another perspective. I think that most things are written in a way that, like, if you believe that, you're like, yeah, and it ma- it talk e- the language automatically talks about the other side as though if you possibly think like that, you're stupid, you know. And I think that's how people are having conversations is they're, they're just like, oh, yeah, this side, fear, blah, 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 yada. And it's not really a good conversation. And so a lot, a lot walking into these, when you, when you see people making posts or having these conversations, they're not like, no, I think recognizing that a lot of people aren't actually looking to have a conversation just because they're talking about the topic. They're actually looking to rant or, right. or, or be heard. When I, if I need to challenge someone or someone maybe even like commented on something towards me or the church or something like that, I actually say, like, hey, 
are you open to a conversation on this? Like, hey, you said this, I'd like to respond. Would you be open to talking about this? And I asked the question and I actually do not start. You ask permission. I ask permission, but I do not start anything that I want to say back until they say yes, because I want their posture to change. I want them to actually say out loud, I'm open to a conversation about this. That way, if they go ballistic, the moment I say something that's different, they realize that they're crazy because they just said, let's have a conversation. I'm dead serious. Like, yeah. Told you it's calculated, Jason. That's, that's, you got to so watch out for that, dude. I, I, only, I only walk into it on those grounds. You so, know? so, like, how do I love the kingdom of God and people over whatever topic we're talking about? Right. That, yeah. That's we're going to jump into personal tips before we get to these uh, 10 things about what Jesus did. But so one of your tips would be what? Pick the battlefield, you know, choose your battlefield or basically I mean, cause, saying, hey, can we talk about this? You know, pick so you the ask, you're you ask permission. On. Yeah. Right. Can we can, that can we sit down is. and talk about this? And that defines what this is. It's a conversation, not a yeah. shouting match, that's not good. a that's Facebook good. war. Because, I mean, realistically, we agree on 85% of the same things. So, I, I was just thinking this when he was talking that uh, Jason, Jason and I are very similar but very different. Jason okay. goes in, he goes, I'm going to go after the 15%, the, the conflict in the room. Yeah. I, I'm personally, I, I, I'll walk up to someone and I'll say, I'll, I'll try to find something I identify with. I am, I'm looking for the 85%. I'm a networker by by nature i just network it's very true and and so that's i look at 85 i'm looking for the 85 percent to go oh hey i like i'm watching i'm looking at scott's shirt he's got a shirt a grace men's shirt on that i have never got one did you guys get one no oh. didn't get yeah one. i've been in men's ministry for what 15 25 well, you're getting years. something today okay. so i might take it away now <laughs> okay i, not give it to I you. think he just came <laughs> up with that <laughs> no. just made it up so anyway but jason will go to 15 percent, right when you say that typically yeah and i go to the 85 <laughs> so my way is i'm i'm a schoozer people will say you know you're a powder puff i mean i've heard i've heard it all <laughs> that's what i'm looking for the, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the relationship first and then go into it but you're different right jason i think absolutely i think i want people i think that i presume that i'm already in relationship with most people which is probably not the best presumption <laughs> but, um, that's awesome that's true uh, <laughs> um, but for me i want people to expose where i think that most of us 90 percent of what we really feel think or or who we really are is below the surface and for me surface conversation just doesn't do it for me. I mean, we can talk about the weather, talk about the sports. That's boring for me. I want to get to that stuff that I can't see. Thank you for acknowledging me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I want to get to the good stuff because I, I, that's where I feel like I learn. You know, I, I, I learn from listening. And, and I've always done that. I've always been the guy who was in class. And as long as it was said in class, I could retain it and, and repeat it. And so, because of that, I really enjoy the dialogue. I enjoy the banter. That's what my wife calls it. She was like, I'm not here for the banter today, Jason. <laughs> but I really enjoy the That's banter. Awesome. Uh, it, to get to the tension, to learn where my tension points are, but also to help uh, to, to identify where others are in tension so we can have a conversation about it. And so I think to, to, to just circle back a little bit, if I could, Scott, to your point, I think a lot of the breakdown that happened in our prep is that we were three guys at least excluding you, of course, because you were trying to hold us together, rein these cats together. But we were three guys who were trying to get to the same objective, but we were doing it completely differently. We were. Right. And yeah. and, and that's okay. I yeah. actually enjoyed 
learning that uh, in the tension versus not knowing that. I would rather know that Jordy has a different path and that Chris has a different path. I enjoyed learn. I'd rather know that at the end of the day so that I know how to how we can best work together than to not know that. And Jordy would be working outside of his comfort zone because I would want him to come with me and be this guy who's trying right. to jump into the tension all the Which time. Which is selfish. Which is absolutely selfish. Right. Is this about me? You trying to bring out all my bad points? Well, oh, thanks. <laughs> I didn't say it. You did. I just asked a question, which is selfish. It was a question. Uh, uh, was a and you answered it. It was a statement no, 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 with no. inflection. <laughs> it, it sounded to me like a gravel. Like, was, was, selfish. Yeah. And thus you see how our conversation went last week. <laughs> so this is high EQ is important. Yeah. When you're entering these difficult Emotional conversations. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. Versus IQ, right? Like IQ is how smart you are. And EQ, the people throw that all around all it, the time. It, oh, yeah. Can I add to that yeah. and say high EQ? But also like you've got to care how the conversation goes and how you're making God look in the process. Yes. And I, I think most of the conversations that I'm having with people, I'm not like, oh, this person disagrees. Hi, can we have a conversation? Oh, I'm going to get them there. You know, I'm going right. to open up their defenses. And I, I, most people I sit down with, I'm never, I'm not changing their mind on many things as much as just saying like, hey, like the way you're talking or the language of the things you're posting or the attitude around it just doesn't seem Christ-like at all. Like it's more of like a you have your middle finger to society. And I, I think I spend most of my time just really trying to say, like, is that really Christ-like? Is that really your, your best look? I'm not asking you to change your beliefs, but your expression. Is it really Christ-like? Yeah, Pastor Jonathan, our senior pastor here at Grace Church, who, if you listen to a few podcasts back, you'll hear all of his uh, amazing wisdom, his mighty wisdom that he shared with all of us. But one of the sermons he did years ago was, when you're in the midst of conflict, there, if you look at it like a dartboard, the middle would be your core values, the second ring outside of that would be your convictions, and the third ring would be your preferences. And your preferences and your convictions, you know, those are not things that you would necessarily end, you know, like you wouldn't necessarily leave a church over. You could on maybe some convictions, but the core values, do we agree on the core values of what, you know, as a follower of Jesus, we agree on these core values? Okay, yes. Everything outside of that, it, it's... It's things that we can we can disagree on and walk away from it in a healthy relationship still. We don't have to end the relationship because we don't agree on whatever the convictions or preferences are, which a lot of what's going on around us are convictions or preferences. They're not core they don't have anything to do with the 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 truth of who Jesus is, right? From a spiritual standpoint, I would agree with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so we have to enter every conversation. Now, there's conversations that you may enter and you you may think that it is a core value and the other person doesn't. And that's when you have, now you have to get on the same page. Wait, are you saying this is a core value to my faith? Yes. Well, help me understand why, right? Versus, do you think no, that, you're wrong. Do you think that that's what's happened in the last couple of years? Sure it it's like you've got people going, this is a core value and you're not going to fight it. You're not going to fight about that. And I'm like, no, I'm not pretty much not going to fight. I mean, is that is that what's going on in the in the black community, Jason? I, I can't speak for everybody in the black community. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> he did it with a smile for all you people at home that are feeling pity for me. <laughs> No, but uh, I, I think that there are some unhealthy unions uh, with Christianity. And I think it, they've, they've been there since the beginning of time. I think you saw the disciples struggle with the union of traditional Judaism and what Christ came to bring 
and you saw hmm. a calling out of that by Paul when Paul called out Peter. You even saw Peter fighting for it with Barnabas and then turning around and losing interest in it when he was with his uh, his buddies. And then Paul called him out. And I think even now you still see these. You saw an unholy union in it when you when you think about the Victorian era. Right. And you have these churches making these rules up as they go along for their own benefit and their own power. And I think we're no different today that we have some unhealthy unions with what we call Christian. Yeah. And what we've allowed to be aligned with the message of Christ such that people can take politics and try to cancel you as a Christian because you don't agree with them politically. Oh, so what you're saying is this is one of the things that I've had a lot of conversations about lately to be. An evangelical Christian does not equal Democrat or Republican. It does not. No, I I think. What do you guys think about yeah. that? I'm going into my shutdown. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, uh, this is the conversation I'm having with most people is, it, at least in the circles that I've been around, people are talking about the conservative viewpoint, mm-hmm. like the way they talk about Democrats it's like this evil Nazi army that right. like no respect or honor mm-hmm. is given to any person who thinks that way, votes that way, runs for an office in that field. And and if you look at history, that concept goes back to the 1950s. Prior yeah. to ni- 1950, that was not true. Yeah, I have heard that. I wasn't there, but I've heard that. <laughs> Chris <laughs> I was in that. the latter part of those years. <laughs> and, but, but, but that's a very interesting point. Yeah, Jordan. and it's, it's been like that my whole life. I mean, yeah. I grew up in a, I, I did the 4-H club, Christian homeschooled thing, you know, and so I get it. I've, I've been there. And so I'm saying. And Ronald Reagan solidified that. And I was too young to remember that. Right. (laughs) He's like really young, folks. I just know that I grew up in that. And I've grown up to say, actually, like I'm sitting down with people and I'm saying, listen, like, like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not attacking your views. I'm like, we pretty much probably agree on everything. Right. would like to live in the same version of this country. But what I'm saying is someone who thinks differently from you, I know really spiritual people, great Christians who vote differently. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that person exists. And I'm like, well, the way you're talking, you're talking as if they couldn't. Right. And I, I'm finding that a lot of people aren't willing to double down on the belief when you really challenge it. I think what, what I'll end with is just like, you know, you look at the sacrifice meets thing with Paul. Paul told him which one was right, but he said each person honors God by following these convictions that they have. I would never have the arrogance. And I, I think I'd have enough arrogance to crash my life three times over if I was willing to say about things that are extra biblical, you know, these preferences, this is the only way to honor mm. God. And anyone who thinks differently, I can write them off because they're sinning. They're, I, I can talk about them as if they're enemies of the Lord. So what you're saying is that we have to be super careful that our political preferences, that we don't put them into, into the category that they are the Christian perspective, right? 100%. And, 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 and you can think your faith leads you to them. I'm not saying that. Like, you let, let that lead what you vote for. But as soon as you put that on other people, that's very dangerous. And if we don't, we're letting politics become an idol. Yes. Yeah. And we have to be super cautious to not let politics become yeah. an idol. And actually, I'm going to say it this way because this is a little prickly. And I think this is the prickly podcast two weeks in a row is to dethrone politics in our lives. Yeah, if it's number one, absolutely. If it's number one. Yeah, especially if it's number one. Yeah. And here's a diagnosis. It doesn't mean that you can't be passionate. It doesn't mean that you can't have a belief. It doesn't doesn't mean any of that. It just means don't have it take the throne of above God. Yeah. 
or equal to God. And here's a diagnostic question for how you know if you've done that. Are you willing to sin for your political views? Are you Mm. willing to misrepresent God for your political views? So can you still love God and love others well? Yeah. In the midst of your political view. And communicating your Here's views. a dangerous statement. If you sanctify politics, that's not only anti-American, but it's against God's word. Right? Because America, Explain that. Well, because the Constitution says there has to be a separation of church and state. So you can't have a religious political party. Right? You can't have one that, that, that says that we are the dominant religion as we are navigating society because you have to have separation of the two. But then within Christianity, we were never called to create a political party to navigate the government. We were called to work through man and woman and children, through the hearts of people, to navigate the hearts of people. Now, can that influence government? Absolutely. Right. And we've seen that. But if there's a separation of the two, if we find that our influence isn't as strong, it's not that the government has lost its way. It's that the government was never meant to be a theocracy. It was meant to be a democracy, which means 50 and a feather. 50% 50% of the people plus one equals change. One of the things that uh, yeah. years ago, being at uh, when my son, my oldest son is, a, is Dr. Chris, you know, Dr. Meekins, and he's a, what's he, PhD? Is that what he's that your is? son. I don't know. <laughs> I, he's, got some, he's a doctor of, of God. Anyway, but he's got his, he went to school for political science and, and Bible, and he's got a degree in both of those, and then he went on to get his master's and doctorate, and, and he's a pastor with the vineyard out in Santa Monica. He talked about that when he was a teenager, when he was in college, and he's that separation. We should have a podcast with, we'll bring, we'll bring Chris down here. Only and, if uh, he listens. Only if he listens. But, well, he didn't, he'll listen to you. But anyway, but the discussion for some Christians that were just raised in the church, okay, now I'm a Christian, I'm going to follow the Bible. This is the way that you don't know these things. And it's, 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 we live in a society where we're making statements and we don't know the facts. And then all of a sudden someone comes and says the facts. Your teenage and it can throw you. Like your teenage kid, which will just totally, just because he's your teenage kid. Yeah. But it'll throw you and you're like, what do you mean there's a, the United States is not a Christian nation? It is not. And, I, and that's that. I, you know, that's going to be prickly too. But it, but it's yeah. a true statement if you go and look up the facts. But you got to go back to the facts. Well, and yeah, this tension was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, w- w- I grew up in school saying we're one nation under God. You know, this. Te- Thank you, this, Billy Graham. This whole thing was <laughs> inevitable. You know, well, that's the Pledge of Allegiance. But it's and, added by Dwight Eisenhower at the yeah. suggestion of Billy Graham. It, really? It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah, most people don't know that fact. That's yeah. the first time I've first ever heard time. it. Yeah. It wasn't there until 54. So, yeah. please. Yeah, but I guess all I'm saying is that <laughs> y- the kingdom of God reigns in the hearts of people. And there was tension in Jesus' time to make it an actual earthly established That's what kingdom. Peter wanted. Yeah. The, only p- the only time that will exist is in heaven after there's been separation of who accepted Jesus and who didn't. But I think we long for that so much. We try to establish it here on earth. And we think, man, if we can get the right policy, we can be in more of like this Christian world. And I think as Christian voters, we should vote with our convictions and vote for those policies. But the ends is the hearts of people. And so you should be... The means too. You should be broken over the hearts of the people in the country. 
And you have to understand, like it's a theocracy. Like Jason said, the policies are going to follow the hearts. We are after people's hearts. And so when you watch society and in, in, in a lot of people's words, go to crap as people are saying left and right right now, I think we should be broken over the hearts of people and we should become missionaries to them. Christianity is a institution, the large C church, should not be throwing a temper tantrum over the policies. They should be becoming really active missionaries and going after people. Well, you made a point off podcast, may I, where you talked about Peter, and I think yeah. that off podcast point is <clears throat> exceptionally relevant. You can pick up where, I, where wherever I have missed your point, but at the, at the point where they were about to seize Christ, right? Yeah. What authority did Christ use in that moment to get his kingdom spread? It wasn't the sword. Yeah. Right. It, it wasn't trying to take over control of the government in order for the the message of Christ to spread. It was humility, submission, and working through the hearts of men. And because of that, twelve men have spread a religion throughout the world that still stands the test of time. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy right? Spirit. Right. Which is a different type of power. Yeah. And Jesus is a different type of authority that we're not. We don't understand. And we sing songs about this. Right. We would have never. We, we would have never thought that this was going to happen. And we pray about it. Right. Yeah. All right. So we need to talk about these ten ways that we can be more like Jesus as we as we are in the midst of these conversations. And sometimes we want to lose our mind or or exit the conversation or go in harder and try to prove our point whatever like how can we be more like jesus so that we don't lose our influence our gospel influence in the people that we're with number one is hang out with sinners jesus hung out with sinners he hung out with people who needed more of him more grace and truth kind of like today i was going to say the same thing <laughs> right yes so who's the sinner if you have to ask. <laughs> um, but number two, afflict the comfortable. Jesus afflicted the comfortable, and that would have been the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Like, Does that mean that we're supposed to intentionally afflict pain on people? I, I don't. I do think that it's about calling it out and, and calling out sin where we see it, but I think there's a method to it. I think that Jordy and I and the tension in, in terms of how we both approach it speaks to the fact that there were 12 disciples, right. right, who all were gifted to kind of approach things in different ways. But I think you do have to get to the tension some way or another. I, I, I think Jordy does it in a delightful way. Yeah, you guys people. both did it well. I pull bricks off the wall to see if it falls, uh, but we both find a way to get to the tension. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've learned this with kids. You have to do it really well. Because yeah. I like to just step right into, into conflict. Like, it doesn't bother me to step into conflict. But... I've learned over the years that if I do it and I just punch you in the face, that it usually doesn't go well. No. You know, and I've learned to ask really good questions yeah. to uncover what might be uncomfortable to somebody else. The Number, Socratic method, which you yeah, guys were talking the about. The Socratic method before. Was, which is Jordy a great method. Yeah. Yeah. I invented um, that. <laughs> but also comforting the afflicted. So now once they're uncomfortable, then to step in and bring comfort when when the pain is unveiled and now they are an afflicted person how do you comfort them in the midst of this hard conversation like all of a sudden the light bulb goes off like oh i've been acting like a jerk for the last three months in every conversation i've had yeah i mean if that's the example i, I think i celebrate the progress I've, I've definitely had people come up to me and tell me how they've had to dethrone politics and it's been really hard. Or I had one person, I had multiple people actually come up to me and tell me how like, they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, I realized I'm racist. And they just start like crying. And 
I'm like, oh, you, wow, you know, here we are. And so I, I usually celebrate that though of like, like, uh, like you're you're admitting that you're getting there. Like that's a great thing, you know. That's that's progress. I, I think brokenness is often progress in the kingdom, and yeah, so I think bringing good. perspective is more my mo. The the fourth thing is that Jesus promoted the dignity and worth of culturally unequal people. What does that mean today? How do we do that today? I think that we live in a world where inequity will always exist because people will always struggle for power and resources and there will always be a have and a have not. And I think within that, what we have to do as Christians is try to find a way to balance the scales. And, and I, think that there, I think the conversation has been stolen by some individuals who are probably extremely liberal, one would argue, who say we should have equal outcomes. And I don't think equal outcomes is what we're really looking for as Christians, but I do think that we want to impact the input. We want to try to bring about uh, equity, try to level the playing field. I mean, it's why we have so many resources for individuals who don't really have the same the same access that other individuals have. And so I think that that's what that, it's about. It's about identifying those individuals who are being mistreated or who are being um, disenfranchised by society and finding ways to be inclusive of those individuals. I see that happening to, to the younger men like 16 17 18 19 20 year old men um older guys my age 47 and older they they don't think they've arrived yet so when they sit down at a right. table you're not taking my job that was my promotion right that's my promotion or yeah. if you sit down and talk about god they want to tell you all the things that they need to understand at 18 19 and 20 right. before you can sit at my right. table right um, and that's just not true. It's just not one, true. one of the things for me uh, to add to this really quickly is empowering women. If, if you're, if we're going to go down that path, there's a place as me as a man and me as a husband is is to empower my wife to be the woman that God created her to be, and that that takes sacrifice. And so twenty some years ago, when Joyce got asked to be on the staff, there was a, there was a a step down that I had. I was in like leadership here at Grace Church, and and for twenty last twenty years, I've had to step away while she was in there because, well, because I'm me. You know, my personality can be <laughs> overwhelming sometimes, and so my wife will stand to that. But my job was called death to self and empowering the people around me. And when they win, here's the thing. If I'm empowering the people around me, no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like, I win. And so as her being, her job, I was able to be Joyce's husband, and I'm like this like great husband. I'm not. I just want to let you know. Never been a really good husband. But, but it's like, but your wife is doing so well, you must be doing something well. And so you win when the people around you win. To your point, if I may, just I know we're probably dying on time, uh, but to the point of inequity, it, it's the point I've tried to make to a lot of individuals who want to fight about the George Floyd situation. Right? There are those who want to fight about whether or not George Floyd was killed because he was black. And to Chris's point, I think the bigger question we should want to ask ourselves is, is that how we want police officers to behave? Right. You can put anyone there in that situation, white, black, indifferent, male, female. Do we want a society where that is okay, where that's condoned? And if we want to fight for a society where that's not condoned, then get in the fight for that reason, right? Get in the fight so that you, because, because 
have not having officers who do that, yeah. and I'm not trying to say all officers right. are bad, but not having an officers who do that, it raises the standard for all of us. All of us. And there's Such a cost. There's a cost just like empowering your wife and your kids and empowering policemen to be better. Yeah. There's a cost to that. So he promoted the dignity and worth of all people. Yes. Right? That's what Jesus did. Number five is that he protected the vulnerable. That would include some of the things that we've talked about, but Jordy protecting the vulnerable. Yeah, really just speak for those who maybe aren't at the table or don't have a voice right now. And I think for me, a big thing is like, if I hear someone attacking a different ideology, even if I don't have the ideology, I'll think of like, all right, what would my smartest friend who thinks that way say? (laughs) And I'll just say, I'll just say, hey, actually, I know people who, you know, here's what you're saying, but this is how they would say it, or here's what they'd say back. And a lot of people, they don't even, they're like, oh, shoot, like, I've never talked to someone, you know, I've never heard that. Like, I don't even know what to say back. And sometimes they do. But I, I think what I'm really trying to do is just say, like, you know, why don't you, why don't you try to respect the person who thinks that way? You know, and I think that's a big part of what we need to call people to in these conversations. Yeah, respect what they're saying, even though you may not agree with them. Yeah. Right? And and take enough time to ask better questions so that you can get a better understanding of where they're coming from. The next thing is, I'm going to go to number seven that will lead us to number six. So it's um, weird math, but Jesus cared nothing about power, prominence, position, or prestige. In other words, become last, right? To become first, you must be last. That's what Jesus said. So nothing about power, prominence, position, or prestige because he cared more about reaching the lost than catering to the found. That's number six. I want to sit on that for a little bit. Is that really true that Jesus cared more about reaching people who didn't know him than he did about catering to those who already knew him? Yes. Uh, I, I tackle this one because I think it's important. I think that in our society, title determines value. Mm. And, and that if someone has a title, that automatically what they're saying somehow carries some weight and it somehow is valid. And, and Jesus didn't really, uh, he, he didn't ever really care about the fact that he was arguing with or, or challenging Sadducees and Pharisees. These were the elite. These were the, the leaders. He, he would stand in the temple around other individuals who were considered the elite of the time, even as a child, and he would challenge them because the title as we know many times, we know lots of people who carry titles and, and who, don't, uh, who, don't, who don't really live up to those titles. And so, and, and let me say this, let me not even cast aspersions on someone else. I know that I've carried the title of husband, all right, that mantle, and I've not lived up to it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's more about the, the, what I'm doing and what I'm learning from the mistakes I make than it is about the title I carry. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus lived that way. Yeah. Jesus cared more about reaching the lost than catering to the found. And he left the 99 to save the one right and i and i think that that it's really important when we think about as we are in these difficult conversations we may not know who's listening it's not about us we have to be super super aware that the way that i'm saying it what i'm saying is there any possibility it could be wrong and if so am i really willing to die on that hill number eight jordy's point sorry is be missional I think that speaks to that. Oh, 100%. Being missional, absolutely. Yeah, and I'd clarify for maybe someone who's, you know, maybe looking at this in a way, like, what do you mean? You know, a lot of people say, what do you mean he leaves the 99? I I think there's definitely, I mean, Jesus said to Peter as well, since we've been talking about Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Okay, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Like, Jesus has a passion for those who 
are following him. We're not saying like, yeah, church shouldn't neglect the flock and run after the next lost person, but instead to say like the mission is those lost people. And I think ironically the Pharisees were further from accepting Jesus than people who were already broken, you know? Yeah. And as we grow, as we grow in our spiritual journey with Jesus, we understand that one of the, one of the foundational things is to go and make disciples, right? Which yeah. means going and sharing the gospel with people, um, which means that it doesn't say that he didn't care about catering to the found. He's, this says that he cared more. He cared more about reaching the lost than catering to the found. Number eight, Jesus lived simply. Number nine, Jesus was 100% anti-racist. It's just a fact. Can we be comfortable saying, and I'm an anti-racist? Well, I think what Jason said about equity earlier was so important. I, I, I don't think people have really even heard that word in this conversation mm-hmm. um, in the last year. A lot of people, if you're not really educated on the topic, but... I think, you know, a lot of what, Jason, you just said, I think would disarm a lot of people who maybe are uncomfortable to even hear anti-racist because there's this whole, uh, all these assumptions, and we think sometimes we take the most negative extreme that we don't like of an ideology, and we attribute everything that we can associate with it as being that far extreme version, and I think what you're saying is very reasonable. And the last thing is that Jesus came to serve, not be served. Mark 10, 45. This is what the Son of Man, this is what Jesus has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. That's from the message. And the question is, can that be true about us? Are, are we making sure that it's never about us? It's always about loving God and loving others well. And Chris, I think it'd be really good if you end our podcast with what you've told me for many years now in our friendship about relationships with other people. Do you mind just what what you and Joyce would always talk about at the end of the day? At the end of the day, it's all about relationships. We um, we had teenagers. We'd be fighting. I mean, it was, it was a rough time in my house. And my wife says, listen, I want to see my grandkids. And so we need to keep this relationship. This Whatever it is that we're fighting with these people, it's not, a, it's not about that. We need to be a... We need to be in relationship because that's the only way we're going to be able to get invited into the conversation. That that's gold. If if we had our little money button, that would be the money button today. That that's gold. <laughs> uh, Jason Carter, thank you very much for joining us today, Thanks man. Dude, you have to come back. Oh, well. you and you have a sweet podcast voice. Oh, do I? Oh, yeah. thank you. You thank got you. the radio voice. You got to do the, the yeah. FM. Yeah, <laughs> FM radio voice. I like it. And Jordy, Jordy Vic, what is it? Jordy Vic, <laughs> are we Victory? Gonna let, are we going to let Chris? Is it Jordy Victory now? let Chris botch my Victory. name again. That's close. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you. And women, thank you for yes, joining us you. today. As we God bless you. Uh, wrap up the living intention. How can we be in relationship with other people amidst the mask, the pandemic, the, the vaccine racism, and the election? May you guys have a great month. We'll see you in three weeks. 